0: in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. And uh, down there, they very up to date. Uh, and so as you know, you have to take off everything. Uh, well, not everything, but almost. I felt like Adam and Eve going through there. And with my shoes off and my coat off and they everything in your pockets, you, you take out. And uh, I told them as I went through, I said, I have two knees that are going to ring the bell. And so sure enough, I went through and uh, down there, Christmas ahead of time, why it jingle bells, or, you know, when you go through the thing. But when I went through, I, here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. And uh, so I'm standing there, and they say, well, put one leg out. So I put it out, and they worked it over, and then I'm sitting down and put the other leg out, and they worked it over, and they said, now stand. So I'm standing there. And he's feeling me all over, (laughs) uh, exactly what happened, uh, (laughs) rang the bell. So he comes around in front, and I had forgotten to take this belt off, And uh, plus the fact that that morning I was in a hurry, and I had forgotten to button my pants, but I thought, well, the belt will take care of it. So I'm standing in there, and the gentleman comes and says, well, you've got to take that belt off. So I did it and took it off, and as I took it off, my pants dropped. (laughs) (laughs) That was the end of the search. Uh, (laughs) When you're dealing with an old man, why, things are different. A lot of you have asked. Uh, we have a ranch up in the mountains, uh, right in the midst of the fire of several years ago. It burned 100 and what twenty, hundred and thirty thousand acres, and it came from the southwest. And uh, our ranch was right uh, in the midst of it. But uh, because we're down in a valley, uh, the winds took the fire and Missed our valley completely. Went all around us and rejoined north of us and headed on up and off toward the east and uh, Cheesman Lake. We're just west of Cheeseman Lake, if you're acquainted with that part of the country. But the Hayman fire left us isolated as an island. Uh, we have 500 acres, and it's a rectangle, and... Uh, It's all green, all around us is totally burned. The head, uh, forest ranger, came in a few weeks after the fire, and I said, well, what do you think? And he said, "Uh, well, what you have here is a miracle. He said, you should have been burned out completely. And I said to the gentleman, I said, well, what is a miracle? And he said, well, I don't believe in them, but a miracle is something that happens that can't happen. I said, that's a good definition. I said, "Uh, so you don't believe in miracles? And he said, no, I don't, but you have a miracle on your hand. And truly, gentlemen, uh, the first year they closed us down. This happened on the 8th of June. And uh, they said, no business for the rest of the year. I want to encourage you fellows who are in the insurance business, uh, don't let go of your customers. In the mid-90s, we had an insurance agent that says, you need to take out business interruption insurance. Oh, no, it's too expensive. You need to take it out. And so just to get them off our back, why, we took a little bit out. And, boy, are we thankful we did uh, because that million-plus is what saved us two years ago. Last year, it was a lot better. This year, we just about made it. And uh, we we thought it will take three to five years to come back. But I'm here today to tell you that, you know, there's something in the the Holy Scriptures that I hang on to. I don't know what you hang on to when things are tough. You know, they say, well, tie a a knot on the end of the rope and hang on. Uh, Well, You know, I don't have too many knots to hang on to. Uh, So I like to hang on to some of the promises in the Holy Bible. And one of them is written by King Solomon. He says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. And boy, I'm telling you, the last couple years since that fire and we got wiped out. It's just been good to be able to trust in somebody besides myself. I want to take you back to July of this year. We had a guest come from uh, Northwest Arkansas. Uh, his company does business with Walmart, and that's, of course, where they're located. Uh, this man is income is way up in the six figures. Uh, he brought his family. He'd been there before with his wife several years ago. Now he brought his children. We are a guest ranch, by the way, for those that are not acquainted with Lost Valley Ranch. And primarily, uh, we attract uh, families. And so this time he came with his family, and he thought to himself, I hope sometime this week, this is the first part of July this year, that I can get a chance to talk to Bob. I'm not going to say anything to him, but if an opportunity works out, I'm going to have a, I want to talk to him. Well, they arrived on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday went by, and we just never clicked. Thursday night is jewelry night at the ranch. Some folks bring in jewelry and set it all up and Western stuff, Indian stuff. And uh, so everybody after dinner had kind of moved over towards where the jewelry was he was sitting at a table by himself. His wife was over there spending his money, I guess. And uh, I just saw him sitting there, so I went over, not knowing what he had been thinking. And I sat down, and he said, thank you, Bob, for coming over here. And I said, well, sure, I'm glad I just uh, saw you sitting over here by yourself. He said, "Uh, I have been thinking since I was here a couple years ago, of a question I want to ask you. And I said, good, what is it? He said, I am 80% persuaded that I should do what I should do towards the things of God. Is it worth it, Bob, to go 100%? Wow, I'm 80%. Is it worth it to go 100%? And so I had the privilege of sitting there that evening while his wife was looking at jewelry and sharing with him my own personal testimony. And that's what I'd like to share with you while you're eating your lunch today. The first part of my life is all tied up with a little word, me, M. E, me. And you know, that's natural for all of us, huh? We, our early life. My dad used to say to me, Bobby, you can't do everything, but do something. Don't end up doing nothing. Well, we were living in Chicago on the North Shore. I was going to Stockton Junior High, and I wanted to play left field for the Chicago Cubs because I used to go down there and, on Saturdays and help clean out, and they'd give me a free ticket for out there beyond where the ivory is, I mean where the uh, vines are, uh, out in the bleachers of Wrigley Field. And oh, I love that. I wanted to play left field, you know, and Charlie Grimm was first base and Harknett was the catcher. You don't even remember those names, do you? Uh, this goes way back. And uh, Hack Wilson, well, that was my me. I wanted to play ball for them. And then living in Chicago, I see these big fire engines. And then one of them was a long thing and had a guy on the back end sitting way up high stirring the back wheels. And I thought as a boy, that's what I want to do. I want to be a fireman in Chicago and drive one of those big trucks. You know, my life was wrapped up and that's not wrong as a little boy. Then I found out that my uncle was a newspaper editor down in Carrollton, Illinois, down near St. Louis. And I thought, oh, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to be a writer. I'd like to go into newspaper work. That was my ambition as a boy, you know. Now I'm in high school, and all these things are coming, you know. Maybe this is what I can do. And then I got into athletics. And I didn't want to become a great athlete. I wanted to help others. I wanted to be a coach. So I graduated from college. You wouldn't believe it, but I did. And uh, I got into a little high school where you coach just about everything and teach stuff that you don't even know what you're teaching. And some of you have gone to high schools like that. And uh, I just was having the ball of my life. Everything was centered in me. And then I got married. And it changed from me to We. W E. Now, what we are going to do. And of course, the first thing off the hat (laughs) when we started having children. Oh, man. And then we are going to travel. Wow. And we are going to go to a church so our kids can grow up and be religious and be on the straight and narrow. And we were living by this time, we were living by this time in Los Angeles because her father died. And I, me, took over the family business. And we decided to go to guest ranches. And living in Los Angeles, why, there wasn't too much out there, so we went down to Arizona. And way out on Speedway in Tucson, Arizona, is a guest ranch called Tanka Verde. And we went to Tanca Oh, we were having such so a good time. No longer it was just me, but now, you see, I've got a wife, I've got a family, I've got a business. We can do all kinds of things. One day as we're sitting there by the swimming pool of Tanca Verde, my wife turned to me and said, Bob, this is something we could do. We and I said, really? She said, yes, we both like hospitality. I like to cook. I, I, I'm a homemaker. I like people. You do too? Let's do it. That was 1955. 1956, a fellow by the name of Dawson Troutman, who had moved to Colorado and bought Glen Eyrie. Drowned in Scroon Lake, New York and I was privileged to be on the board of the Navigators and they asked me if I would come back and help them run Glen Erie. and so we <laughs> left South Pasadena and we moved here to Colorado Springs in January of 1957 and this became our home we lived out on Panorama Drive over on the west side of town. And boy, we were having a great time. And I was enjoying it. And then we decided, hey, let's answer the question that my wife put to me back at Tanca Verde before. And so 1961, we bought Lost Valley Ranch. Well, let me pause here, gentlemen, in my testimony, and tell you it was because a man here in Colorado Springs took an interest in me. His name was Ford Madison. Some of you were here a few months ago and heard his testimony. He had a dairy here in town. And he had a bunch of little convenient food stores he called Scotty Stops. And Ford and I would get together every week. And Ford says, you're going to buy a guest ranch. And I said, well, yeah, I think so. I don't know anything about it, but uh, uh, it's for sale. And he said, how are you going to finance it? And I said, well, we'll borrow money. Uh, from Bank of America out, and we'll borrow against our business in Los Angeles and he said Bob don't do that don't put all of your eggs into that one basket get a group of men to put their money in with you and if they've got their money in it <laughs> they'll keep your feet to the fire so we did a half a dozen of us guys went together and bought the ranch Forty-five years ago. Wow. You see, the me became the we. But there was something missing. Because of a third dimension. And that is he. Throughout my life, there has been that golden thread in the tapestry called God. God. My folks were Scottish Presbyterians. I don't know if that means anything to you. Uh, very strict. The Sabbath was the Sabbath, not Saturday, but Sunday. Uh, we couldn't use the car. We couldn't read the newspaper. We couldn't study. We could go to church. And it seemed that wherever we lived, my folks lived as far as they could from church. We couldn't use public conveyance, we couldn't use the car. In fact, we didn't have a car in the early years, and uh, so we walked to church. But I thank God because I had a godly dad. And every night at supper, after the meal, we'd hold hands, and my dad would pray. And he'd pray for his daughter, Catherine. And he'd pray for his son, Bobby, that sometime as they grew older, they would know Jesus Christ personally. Well, I heard that. You know, good. Thank you, Dad. Man, you're a good dad. Wow. And then I realized I married a Christian girl, and she read the Bible. And she memorized Scripture. And she was interested in people not just because uh, they were friends and and, uh, so forth, but because they also had godly values and interested in the things of the Lord. And so now the me, with all this thread going through my life, began to translate into my marriage. I don't know if you have a marriage like that with a wife that knows the Lord and loves the Lord and wants the children to be brought up in the things of the Lord. But the we took on a whole new dimension because of He, the Lord. I don't remember it, fellas. But when I was a youngster, my folks had me baptized. That was the way it was in our church. And so I was brought into the covenant. (laughs) <laughs> well, then when I was 12, I had to be confirmed. Have you ever gone through that? I had to uh, learn all the stuff about the Bible, you know. What's the chief end of man? You know, chief end of man, Pastor, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I didn't know what that meant as a 12-year-old kid, but I wanted to do it. And I wanted to pass confirmation because in our church, then you became a member of the church and you could partake in communion. Good stuff. So now I've been baptized. I've been catechized. I'm a member of the church. I can have communion. I got it. I got it. About that time, my folks said, Son, have you ever personally asked Jesus Christ into your heart? No. Heaven, Dad. Don't you think you should? Well, I thought, they baptized me. (laughs) They catechized me. I'm in the church. I'm drinking the cup and eating the bread. But I want to go to heaven. I want to be with my family. See me again. What I've done. What my folks did for me. So I made a profession. Yeah, I think I will. But it wasn't until later in my teens that I realized I couldn't do it on the basis of what my parents did. I couldn't do it on the basis of my good, not by works of righteousness, which Bob Foster has done, but according to his mercy, Jesus went to the cross for me. You see, he replaced me And he became even more important than we. And a lot of you fellows today, that's exactly where you are, huh? Life pretty much centers in what I'm doing. And I'm going to make it. I'm working hard. I've joined the right... In fact, I can remember as a young businessman having the Bailey Plumbing and Heating Company in Los Angeles. Somebody said, you know, you ought to join one of the service clubs. And get involved in local community things. And so I got involved. Man, did I get involved. And I looked at various ones, and I decided Rotary was for me. Those were the guys, you know, that had the nice suits and the white shirts and the nice ties, and they were the movers and shakers there in Glendale, where we were living at that time. And so now... I've got all this, plus I'm still involved in the church. I'm a Rotarian. What more could a guy ask for? Except down in my heart. I knew that I had not made peace with God. Have you ever been there? That thought, you've joined everything. <laughs> you're a nice guy. you got a wonderful wife, or maybe you're divorced from her, but you realize that things are... Lord, what do I need to do? You need to do what I did. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I ask Him to come into my life. You remember I told you about this guy Dawson Trotman, who started the Navigators out here at Glen Erie and he drowned in fifty-six? When he was twenty-two years of age, he was riding his motorcycle down the streets of Los Angeles, heading for the Patton and Blinn Lumber Company down in the harbor of Los Angeles. And uh, he had on his black jacket and all the rest of it, and he was gunning his motorcycle because he was late. And all of a sudden, something out of the Bible came to his mind. He had done it because of a girlfriend. She said, I want you to memorize some scripture, and if you do, I'll have a date with you. And so he did. And that which she had made him do came to his mind. As it, and he pulled the motorcycle off to the side of the road, tripped it down so it would sit, and he sat there. And this is what came to his mind. Verily, verily, I say unto you, says Jesus. John five twenty four, He that heareth my word. That's the Bible. And believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I've heard the word. Lord, I want to believe in my heart by faith. And if I do it, I've passed from death unto life. That's what happened in my life. Dawson Troutman that day gave his heart to Jesus Christ, got back on his motorcycle, went down. Dawson was so skinny that his nickname was Porky. A few weeks after, he was profane in his language. He liked to drink, he smoked a cigar or cigarettes, whatever was around. And his life was changed. You know, the Bible says, if you accept Christ as your Savior, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Can you believe that? A new creature. I know some of you guys, and you're different than when you used to be because Christ is now in your life. And so the leaders at the Patton and Blinn Company said, Porky, we want you to tell the rest of the employees what's happened in your life. So here's Porky standing up, and all he knew what to do was to quote Scripture. He didn't, he didn't know what to say, so he just shared what I just shared with you. John 5:24, If you will believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and you realize as a sinner you needed Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can be saved. And you can pass from death into life and have eternal life. Isn't that wonderful? I want to tell you, as I stand here today, it isn't me. No longer is it we, it's he. There's a verse in the Bible that says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in faith, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I want to encourage some of you guys today. Who have never made that decision. You know in your heart if you have. To say yes. I do want to accept Christ as my Savior. I started off by telling you about Tim. That came from northwest Arkansas. And he said I'm 80% persuaded. But I want to be 100%. They left the ranch this was in the second week of July. They came, he and his wife came back the third week of August and left the children at home to go to school. And he came back and he said, Bob, I want to be a hundred percenter. I want to know what it means to have eternal life. I want to know what it means to live for God. I want my life to be different. So Tim and I, Spend some time the third week of August, with our open Bibles, just looking to see what does it mean? Uh, I think on the table there's an envelope with some cards in it. Uh, would you open those up? I want to I show you something. <laughs> if you will take those cards, each one, each guy take one. Some of you are still getting the food, so go ahead. Don't worry about me. (laughs) All right, you got a card? Notice that there's some little boxes on there. Notice that down on the, the, the fourth one down, it says, I would like to receive more information on how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Gentlemen... I would encourage you today, when I close in prayer in just a few minutes, to have you pray with me. But perhaps you're not ready today. If you're not, when we fill this card out, I'd like to have you mark that box. Because one of the guys here, one of my friends, is going to come by and see you. Not for money, not to join CBMC, not to belong to anything. Just to help answer some of the questions you've got. And I bet some of you guys got some real questions, huh? Will it make a difference in my marriage? What about my business? What about my background? Oh, you've got all kinds of questions. That's when you check that little box. But today, I'm going to ask you to do what Tim did. The third week of August of this year. Yes, Lord. I understand intellectually with my mind but now with my heart I realize that I could never go to heaven as I am. I'm a sinner. But I do accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I want you to do what Dawson Trotman did as he pulled that motorcycle over to the side of the road and gave his heart to Christ. There's no life like having peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you to follow along with me. And then I'm going to close my prayer by a little audible prayer that you can say with me. You don't have to say it out loud unless you want to, but in your heart, I'd just like to have you pray the prayer with me. Would you do that? Let's all bow in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, all of us have come down the road of me. What I'm going to get out of life. What I'm going to do in life. And that's not wrong. And most of these fellows have known what it means to be we. Whether it be in marriage or in business or in relationship. We're going to do this. We're going to conquer this. We're going to build this. We. We. And yet we've left out the ingredient of He. We left out God in our life. And at this Christmas season, when Jesus Christ came into this world to save that which is lost, and that includes all of us, Oh, may we not miss the most precious gift that God has ever given His only Son. There are men here at lunch today that came not realizing that this would be the day when Jesus Christ would come into their heart by faith. And so as I pray this noon, I ask that many of these men would turn their life over to you. No longer I, but Christ living in me. And here's the prayer I want you to follow with me. Dear Lord Jesus, This noon I realize that I'm unworthy to go to heaven. I don't deserve it. I cannot earn it. There is no merit in me. But Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood for my sin. I don't understand it all. But as best I can today, I say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Come in today. Come in to stay. And be my Savior. I want to thank you. For what you are going to do in my life. I'm trusting you. I pray this. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Gentlemen, I trust that many of you prayed that prayer with me. Now, I want you to take this card once again.